seated. Well, welcome, everybody. We're glad you're here on this President's uh, Day weekend. Uh, my name's Dave Fukuyama, and I'm the uh, senior pastor here. So once again, if this is your first time, welcome. We hope that uh, you enjoy this. We hope that you feel the presence of God, and we hope that maybe one day that you could uh, call this your family because, you know, this is a wonderful church, and I'm just so proud uh, to be the pastor here. But before we start, you know, I wanted to acknowledge two important people in my life, um, who really made an impact in my life. And that's my old boss. You know, this Pastor Ken Fong and his wife Snoopy, they're sitting right there. Pastors at Evergreen Baptist Church, where I've known Ken ever since I was in high school. And he's probably one of the best communicators I know. But when it comes to visionary, you know, that's where he taught me a lot because most of us struggle trying to figure out what's coming down the road five years from now. But Ken has the ability to see 20, you know, all these years down the road and all of these trends that are coming. And so we as a church could be prepared for it. So he's kind of like Obi-Wan to me, and I'm like Luke. So I hope the force is strong with me today. Um, But anyway, uh, for those of you who are new, um, we're starting our series Designed to Work, but it's a larger part of our series called Placing Christ in the Center of Our Lives. And the whole genesis of, genesis of this you know, happened when, um, as most of you know, myself, my wife Grace, and my son Michael, we just got back from a missions trip um, to Myanmar and Thailand. And it was just amazing how we saw how God transforms the lives of these leaders and the lives of these kids who have been through so much. Some of you may not know what's going on in Myanmar, but there's that genocide going on right there where lives are being broken up, kids are being left homeless. But it's the Christians that are going in and taking and loving and caring for these people. But once again, I was just amazed how I could see children and adults who have been through so much hardship love Jesus so much, you know? And, it, and as I came back and I said, God, just reveal, David's that simple. Put me in the center of your life, and I'll do amazing things in your life. I've saw these lives transformed. And that's why we started this whole series. You know, it took me to go 8,000 miles for me to figure out just this basic truth. Um, and so uh, we, we spent some time talking about the importance of placing Christ in the center of your life. And everything else will flow from that. And now we're going to talk about specific areas where that could happen. And last week, uh, we started about um, placing Christ in the center of your workplace. Because when you think about it, half of your time is going to be spent in the workplace. But when we talk about vocation, we're not just talking about the job that you get paid for. You know, we're talking about your vocation. It could be as somebody who stays at home watching the kids. It could be somebody who's a homemaker if you don't have kids, taking care of your spouse. It could be part, if you're retired, it could be the organizations that you're involved with, right? But you spend a lot of time there. And since we spend a lot of time there, it's important that we understand what it means to put God or Christ the center in those areas of our lives. And um, one of the things that most of you know that before, uh, being a minister is my second career, 
and I could see how God changed or transformed the workplace because of the work of the Holy Spirit through me. But of course, you know, I, I, you know, I wasn't always perfect. You know, I did have some times when I just tripped up in the workplace, and I shared some of that with you. And the whole purpose was to allow you to learn from what God did in my life, but also to learn from, you know, my mistakes. Um, because I think God's taught me valuable lessons through the mistakes I met at the workforce and in the workplace. But this is something that we spend most of our time in that is important for us to get it right because I would imagine that most of you want to do well in your vocation, right? Most of you want to do well. And um, let's say even if you're um, retired or you're a grandparent, you would want your grandkids to do well. And so the lessons that we are learning, especially today, are lessons that I hope that you could teach your children, your grandkids, or even for your young people who are just starting off in your vocation, that you really listen to what you know, God has done through me. Because, like I said, our goal is to glorify God in, in the workplace. And so um, the first principle that I want to talk about today, and we're going to take a look at the life of Joseph, the life of Joseph, because that's probably one of my most favorite uh, stories in the Bible. But the first principle that we all have to start off with is that God is the reason behind our success. God is the reason behind our success. Because so many times we think it's us. So many times we, we were growing up, you know, being taught by parents, if I study hard enough, you know, if I do well enough on my uh, SATs, if I go to the right college, if I get the right major, then I'm going to be successful, right? We're, we're, we're taught that, and it's ingrained in us. And sometimes when we're out there and we, you know, achieve a certain level of success, we think, well, it's because of my effort. Well, I studied hard. I work hard. I put a lot of time and effort into my craft, into my job. So, you know, I'm behind my success. But one of the principles that you have to start off with is that God is the reason behind our success. And we're going to take a look at Joseph. Now, Joseph um, was a favorite son where his father loved him over all of his brothers. And he was given the best clothes and probably the best food. And his father would be bragging on him all the time. So if he had, you go to his house, you had have all these pictures of Joseph in his house. But you would have no photographs of his other brothers. This is how much he was favored. So his brothers, of course, became jealous of that. And one day Joseph had a dream. And that dream, he told his brothers who were already jealous of him, he goes, one day mom and dad and all of you are going to bow down to me. You know, could you imagine throwing gas on the fire there, right? And, and so he did that. And, you know, one of the things we see, Joseph was young at that time. He was probably about 17 years old and kind of all pumped up and, you know, uh, a little bit full of himself there. But his brothers, that angered his brothers. And so what they did is they plotted to kill him. 
They, they were so angry with him, they plotted to kill him. But they said, you know, no, 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 don't kill him. So what they did is they just got him and they sold him to the Midianites into slavery. And then the Midianites ended up in Egypt. And then they sold Joseph as a slave to Potiphar, who was the captain of a, the guard in Egypt. And he was a royal official. So he had a pretty high position. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to pick up with Genesis 39, 2-3. Genesis 39, 2 to 3. And keep in mind this principle that God is the reason behind our success. It says, and the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Do you see that? It says the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when the master saw that, what? The Lord was with him and the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Okay, so Potiphar even acknowledged or saw that God was behind his success. Now remember, Joseph is a 17-year-old kid. What does he know about life? And so we, we, he goes there, but God is the one who is behind Joseph's success. Deuteronomy 8, 17 to 18. Deuteronomy chapter 8, 17 to 18. It says, you may say to yourself, and some of us do that, I've done this. It says, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. You know, how many of us thought that, right? We may not come out and say that, but yeah, yeah, Celia. We think that, you know, we, we're patting ourselves on the back, and sometimes we're, we think we're all that, right? But... Then God comes up and says, but remember the Lord your God, for he, for he um, who gives you the ability to produce wealth. It is God who gives you the ability to produce wealth, not yourself. And there's another story in Daniel chapter 4 of King Nebuchadnezzar. You know, King Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful king in that time, era. And he goes out his patio and he says, Is this not the great Babylon that I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? So he gets out there, and he thinks that he did it by his own strength. And what happened after that? God humbled him. And for seven years, King Nebuchadnezzar was banished from Babylon and lived as an animal until he realized it was God and God alone that was behind his success. So if we start taking credit for our success in the workplace, our success at home, or the successful at the organizations we're with. You know, the Bible said pride cometh before the fall. We got to watch that. Why? Because we, despite what we think, we are not the source of our success. God is the source of our success. Joseph flourished under the supervision of Potiphar. But Potiphar saw that it was the Lord that was behind this. Second point, you know, my mom drilled this into my head ever since I was young, but I see this in the life of Joseph too, is to make your boss as successful as you can. 
Make your boss as successful as you can. And he said, oh, no, Pastor Dave, you don't know my boss. (laughs) If I make six, I mean, he's a megalomaniac right now and a tyrant right now. Oh, my goodness, if I make him more successful, that'd be even crazier. He's going to be even more, more difficult to work with. But there's a principle there. Okay, there's a principle there. So, Mako, I want you to pay attention to this principle. Okay, make your boss as successful as you can. Um, Genesis 39, 4-6. It says, Joseph found favor in his eyes, meaning Potiphar, and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. See, God was with Joseph. And because God was with Joseph, you know, Potiphar was successful. And because Potiphar was successful, he put Joseph in charge of everything that he owned. And it said from the time he put him in charge of his household and that all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. We are to be a blessing from the Lord to our workplace. If I was to ask you this question, are you a blessing to your boss? Or sometimes, yes, I'm glad I heard a yes. You know, or sometimes, are we actually a thorn in, our, thorn in the flesh uh, to our boss, right? We are to be a blessing from the Lord in our workplace. This is important. We are to be a blessing from the Lord in our workplace. Just as Potiphar's household was blessed because Joseph was there and the spirit of the Lord resided on Joseph, the same is true for us. That when we go to work, we should be a blessing because the spirit of the Lord resides in us. Potiphar became more successful because of Joseph. But there's another principle here, one that I've learned throughout my career when I worked um, in the secular world, is that when you make your boss successful, he or she will want to take you with them when they get promoted. Okay? If you do your best to make your boss successful... There are many times, and I've seen this happen, where my boss was promoted. But as soon as he or she was promoted, guess what? Maybe in a month or two or six months or sometimes a year, I would get this call. Hey, Dave, there's an opening in my department. I want you to come. I want you to come. Why? Because I, it was my goal to make him successful. And so when he uh, or she got in another, a higher position, it was natural for them to want to take me with them. And that's why, you know, that's important. And going back, is are you a blessing in your workplace? Is your workplace a better place because you are there and that you are bringing the Spirit of God with you? Is your workplace a better place? And I've shared this with you too, but I know there's a lot of new people, so a lot of the stories some of you have heard before. 
But when I was at Continental, I worked in baggage service. Nobody wants to work in baggage service. Why? Because the only customers who see you are mad. No one's ever happy. No one said, well, thank you so much for losing my luggage. I had a wonderful flight, but it's okay that you lost my luggage. No, they're mad. Either we lost their luggage, we lost their pet, we destroyed their luggage, you know, and they are mad. So only the junior employees get there. Now, senior employees want nothing to do with baggage service, but I went down there to supervise what they call the pit. You know, and so I went there because I was a junior supervisor. But you know what I decided to do? I said, I'm going to lead out of my faith. I'm going to manage out of my faith. I'm going to hopefully be a blessing to the pit, you know. And so, you know, when I told them, you know, my values are your health and family first. If there's anything, uh, anything that you need to take care of because of health or family, I'll always cover you. I never asked them to do anything that I wouldn't do. You know, we had potlucks, and, you know, when they had problems, my office was always open, you know, for them to talk to me. But, you know, by the time I left, only the senior employees worked in baggage service. And it was nothing that I did. It was nothing special about me. It was the Spirit of the Lord. They saw God's presence in the pit. (laughs) And uh, the place that only junior employees got assigned to Now you had to be a senior employee to work in baggage service. I mean, people still got mad at us. People still cussed us out and yelled at us. But because I managed with, you know, Christian values, people liked that. Because the majority, and I'm, I'm not being harsh or judgmental, the majority of the other supervisors were not very good. Not very good. They didn't treat their employees very well. So that's why it's so important. Are you a blessing in your workplace? And I said workplace, that includes students too, because last time I talked about what's your vocation. Right now it could be your students. So is your school, is your dorm a better place? Because you're bringing the spirit of the Lord with you. But it says, what does your boss want? In Genesis 39.6, it says, So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care, with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. I want you to pay attention to He did not concern himself with anything. That's what your boss wants. That is what your boss wants. When your boss gives you an assignment, he doesn't want to have to worry about it. He says, Dave, okay, I assigned this to you. You got it. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. Or if I'm away, I don't have to worry about the operation because, Dave, you're there. This is what your boss wants. He doesn't want to have to worry about anything. He doesn't want to hear complaints about the operation um, not doing well because he's not there. Your boss doesn't want to worry about anything. And so if you could do your best to make your boss as successful as you can, he's going to want to take you with him. Because what boss won't want to take somebody with him that when he or she is away, you don't have to worry about anything? It's taken care of. Because we as managers have enough to worry about. The last thing I need to worry about is an employee that I will always have to check up on. Right? 
managers or bosses don't want to worry about anything. Next one. And this is important. Value integrity above all else. Value integrity above all else. And this is Genesis 39, 6-7. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Now when the Bible ever accentuates somebody's features, that means when he was, he was not your average man. Okay, he was not your average man. He was probably the sexiest man alive. I mean, if he was on The Bachelor, all the other bachelors would rave the white flag and say, okay, I quit. Joseph's going to win this contest. Okay, this is how good looking he was. But Potiphar had a wife and she said, come to bed with me. But he said, but Joseph... Verse 8, but he refused. He said, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? You notice that Joseph didn't say, how could I do this thing, wicked thing, and sin against my boss who entrusted me with anything? He said what? Sin against God. So when you guys are in the workplace, you have one boss, right? You answer to a party of one, and that's who? And that's God. That's God. It says, although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Joseph had integrity. He put integrity above all else. And that's what we need to have in the workplace. You know, are we honest with the time cards that we punch in and out? If we say we work a certain amount of hours, do we work that certain amount of hours? You know, are we correct and accurate with the reports that we write? Even though your boss or manager may tell you, hey, I want you to fudge some of these numbers in order to make us look better. And trust me, that's happened to me when I was at Continental. And I was threatened to be suspended if I didn't change the reports to make our station look a little bit better. If you drive a company car, do you use it for the specified reasons why you're given that car? Or do you think that, ooh, I just got an extra car that I could do my errands with? You know, one of the mistakes I made when I was at that one company, you know, like I told you before, um, they had a rule about dating subordinates or people that uh, reported to you, and I did that. But that wasn't the main reason why, well, that was one of the reasons why I got demoted, (laughs) okay? The other one was I was this young kid coming out of college, this cocky kid, big office, director of marketing. I got a salary. I had no clue what a salary is because before I used to work in a warehouse and I used to punch in and out. And so I said, with a salary, you don't punch in or out? No, they just pay you. And I said, wow, this is great. And so I had to go on sales call, and I realized that, hey, whether I went on two sales calls or 10, I got paid the same amount of money, right? And they gave me an expense account. 
Wow, they're going to pay for my lunches. No more McDonald's and Burger King. You know, I started going to some expensive restaurants. You know, and sometimes I even took my friends, hey, I got an expense account. Uh, and they said, they're just paying me to go to lunch. Because they didn't explain any of that to me. So I thought, wow, this is cool being a manager. You get all of these perks. But once again, you know, because I didn't show integrity. You know, I, I said I didn't go to the places where I should have went to. You know, I was doing a lot of other things. I was doing errands um, and all of that when I should have been visiting travel agents and, and things like that. I didn't show integrity in the workplace. And so, unfortunately, they um, demoted me because of that. So integrity, value integrity above all else. Finally, God has placed you in your job to save souls. Okay, this is one. God has placed you in a job to save souls. Now, Joseph was in um, the care of Potiphar, right? And so Pharaoh, who was the king of Egypt, had these disturbing dreams, and no one but no one could interpret them. So Joseph was brought before Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the country, and by um, God's power and strength and the spirit of God, Joseph was able to interpret the dreams. And pretty much the dreams said, interpreted said, you know, Pharaoh, there's going to be seven years of plenty for the crops. You're going to have seven years of abundance in crops. But then it's going to be followed by seven years of famine. The famine is going to be so bad that you're not even going to remember the blessings of the harvest. And so basically when the harvest is good, set aside some of your grain to prepare for um, the time when um, there's going to be seven years of famine. And so because of that, because Pharaoh saw the spirit of God on Joseph's life, he promoted Joseph to second in command. So there was a time of plenty, and Joseph did store all of the grain and all of the wheat. So when the times of um, famine came, they had more than enough wheat. The Bible says they had so much wheat, they stopped counting. But then this famine would um, encompass the entire world to where Joseph's family were, and they didn't have enough food to eat, but they knew they had food in Egypt. So they went down to Egypt in order to buy food. And then it's during that time that Joseph reveals himself as their brother. And you can imagine if you did all of these things to your brother, and then all of a sudden you come back maybe 13 years later, and he's the second in command of Egypt, and you think, oh my goodness, he's going to have us executed. And so they were afraid. Because their father had died, and they felt that, okay, so since their father had died, he was the only one who protected us from Joseph. But we see this in Genesis 50, verse 19. And this is when Joseph uh, Joseph met with his brothers, and they were afraid that he was going to have them executed for what uh, they did to him in the past. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. 
Why was Joseph placed there? What was God's overall plan? The savings of lives. Because Joseph was there, they had enough food for not only the Egyptians, but for his family and all those around them. He was put there to save life. You know, we were designed to work, but when sin entered this world, one of the purposes that we have is to save the souls of those around us. To save the souls of those around us. To be a blessing at the work. To bring the presence of God in the places that we work. Now, there's an appropriate time to witness and evangelize. And you're not supposed to do it on the clock. Okay, I want to make that clear. If your boss is paying for you to do a job, it is not to evangelize people in the workplace. Okay, there are other times and places that you could, um, you know, talk to people about your faith, right? But when you're on the clock, that's not a time to do that. Because I know some of people I've talked to said, no, our job is to save and win souls. So they go to their workplace and all they're doing is they're evangelizing. They're talking about what's going on in church. They're saying, oh, yeah, did you hear? There was this missionary at a church. And go, you are being paid to work there. If you're being to work, do your job and work. There are other places and other times and appropriate times to um, share about what God's doing in your life. But each one of us have to realize that we are God's missionaries to your workplace. Whether it's your paid vocation, whether it's your family, whether it's your spouse, whether it's the organizations you participate, we are there to save lives. Just as Joseph was placed in Egypt to save lives, we are placed in certain areas to bring the presence of God, to point to the living God. Why? Because so many of you work in places that I'm not. Because you say, well, pastor, that's your job. Well, if you look at where you're at, I don't have access to that. You do. You do. And hopefully, if we are a blessing in a workplace, that that would put you in a perfect place to be the one to share the gospel with people when the appropriate time comes. Remember I told you that at this one airline where I was the director of marketing, I failed pretty badly. You know, work was not a place of, I didn't see work as a place of worship. Actually, um, it was a place where um, you know, I just made so many mistakes. And, and that was the place I was demoted. But the worst part of that, the worst part of that was that my witness for Christ was affected. My witness was Christ was affected. But to make, that, to make it even worse, was there was this one employee there, and she had cancer. And the doctor told her that she only had, you know, months to live. And I just struggled about telling her about Jesus Christ to say that I have the answer. But see, I wasn't, when I looked at my life, the way I live, my reputation at that company was not very good. So how could I go in there and tell her about the gospel of Jesus Christ? how being a Christian could transform your life, how you no longer had to be you know, afraid of death, 
when my reputation at that workplace was really, really bad. Everything inside me wanted to tell her about Christ, but I knew my witness didn't match up to that. So I kept my mouth shut, and she died. And it took me a long time to get over that. It took me a long time to forgive myself for that. I mean, it still bothers me. You know, if I was smarter, maybe I could have told her that, hey, you know, I'm not perfect. But this is what God could do for you. It's like being in a lifeboat and watching somebody drown and just watching them drown. That impacted me so much, I swore to myself that would never happen again. We are there to save souls. We are there to make a, be a blessing because the Holy Spirit of the Almighty God resides in each one of us. And we can't take that lightly. Work is not just a place where we punch in. It's a place where we worship. It's a place where people see God at work. It's a place where people could see God transforming the lives of people. This is why it's so important that we get this down. But you know that Joseph, he went through a lot of tough times. He was hated by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. He was falsely accused of rape. He was imprisoned. And when he was in prison, he was forgotten by those who said they would help him get out. But through all of this, through all of this, at the end, Joseph said to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. See, God sees the big picture. And some of you right now are just in your workplace, you just dread going there. Well, you look forward to Fridays and you just hate looking forward to Mondays. But you know, God has a bigger picture. God has you there for a reason. You are bringing the spirit of the almighty God into that presence in a place where only you could do this. God sees the bigger picture. And it's for good. It's for good. And sometimes we may not think it's for our good. And it might be or it may not be. But it's for the good of the people around him. It says, and we know that in all things, God worked for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So are you struggling at work right now? You know what? I don't know how he does this. But God does make good come out of that. I failed miserably at this one job. But because I failed, I learned a valuable lesson that I would not make the same mistake at my next company. So at Continental, I changed everything around. And praise God, he used me for the good of those around him, even though I had failed in the job beforehand. So what's our weekly challenge this week? 
a weekly challenge, this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to read the account of Joseph's life. It's in Genesis 37, and then there's this goes off in this weird chapter 38. You could read that if you want. But then it picks up again in uh, chapters 39 through 50. And I want you to, some of you may not want to do this, but I'm going to ask you to do this anyway. Uh, what can you do to make your boss successful this week? Okay. What can you do? And it may not be your boss. If you're a student, what can you do to make your teacher successful? What can you do to make your RA successful? What can you do to make the people, maybe if you're in an organization, what can you do to make your leaders successful? Then do it. And this is going to be a hard thing. Do it. Don't just think about it. Don't just pray about it. Do it. It says, in order to live with integrity, are there any behaviors you need to change in your workplace? Only you know that. In order for you to live with integrity, are there any behaviors that you needed to change in your workplace? When I was at that one company, there were a ton of behaviors that I needed to change. And then pray for an appropriate time to have a spiritual conversation with somebody at work or somebody around you, somebody in your family. Okay, pray for an appropriate time. An appropriate time is not when you're on the clock. Okay? Appropriate time isn't when you're on the clock. Let's pray. Father, you're such a great God, and Lord, I could just imagine Joseph being in prison for 11 to maybe 13 years and wondering why he was there, questioning your goodness, being in jail because he was innocent. Yet, Father, you had a plan, and it was a good plan, a plan to save people. And Father, we claim not to know our future. But Father, we believe that everything we go through, our boss, our coworkers might intend it for evil. But Father, you intend it for good. And Father, you can overcome their acts of evil and turn it into good. And that's such a hope that each one of us have. So Father, I pray if there's somebody here right now who's really struggling, whether it's at their paid position, whether it's at home, whether it's at school or the organizations they're with, if they're retired, Father, that you would let them know that there might be people that might be trying to cause them harm. But Father, you are allowing it for good. Father, may you increase our faith. May you use these events to allow us to trust you more and not take matters in our own hands. And Father, for those of us who you are, have certain practices in our workplace where we lack integrity, Father, may your spirit convict us, not out of shame, but out of love, knowing that you want us to be a blessing in the workplace, in our schools, in our homes, and in our organizations. So thank you so much, God, for, and like I said, I don't know how you do it, but you know, causing good to come out of situations where we could see no good. Thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.